Public transport in Moscow may take up to 12 years, with electric buses replacing the diesel bus fleet altogether. Italian Interior Minister Matteo Salvini has blamed Russian fans for the escalator collapse at one of Rome's metro stations, calling them pseudo-football fans. He said the escalators were not meant for jumping. Around 30 people, among them 16 Russian CSKA football fans, were injured when the escalator suddenly started to speed up, causing a jam. The incident occurred at the Republica station at about 7 p.m. on Tuesday. One of the fans had his leg amputated. The fans came to the Italian capital to attend a football match between CSKA and Roma. Suspected explosive devices have been discovered near the home of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and former U.S. President Barack Obama. U.S. media reports citing secret services. The device was discovered by technicians who screened mail sent to the former U.S. officials. It comes two days after a bomb was sent to the home of financier George Soros outside New York City. The Time Warner building in New York was also evacuated due to an identified package. And Moscow drivers have been advised to change their tires to winter as to winter tires as below zero temperatures are expected at the end of this week. Traffic. Let's look at the traffic in the capital. It's nine points out of ten this hour. The traffic jams are at the Garden Ring Road both ways, Third Transport Circle and Moscow Ring Road. It'll take you an hour and 20 minutes to get to Shrimetyeva Airport and over an hour getting back into central Moscow. Driving time to Vnukova is one hour and 30 minutes and over two hours getting back to downtown Moscow. And you'll spend over two hours and 20 minutes driving to Domodedovo Airport and an hour and 35 minutes driving into central Moscow. Plus 23 degrees Celsius in Barcelona, plus 14 degrees Celsius in Belgrade. It's plus 5 degrees Celsius here in Moscow. That's it uh, for now. I'm Karen Rolski in the studio. Stay with us. With Alan Moore. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Capital Sports. I'm Alan Moore, and you'll be very, very happy to know that uh, I'm at the Urge Day Arena tonight to watch Locomotive taking on Porto. However, I've recorded this with love in my heart for you guys. And also joining me in the studio, of course, is Mr. Andy McLean. Andy, how are you doing? Very well today. How are you? Very, very good indeed. I mean, it's a wet, miserable day here in Moscow. I'm hoping it's going to, to uh, clear up. Uh, as we were coming in, we saw Lokomotiv playing Porto in the UEFA Youth League. And of course, uh, Lokomotiv were leading 1-0 in that. Of course, it is European week here in uh, Russia because of all the European clashes taking place from last night until uh, tomorrow. Of course, it's Thursday. So we have another super show. And as I said, Andy's here with me. He's going to have, we're going to have a look back and a look ahead, of course, at the uh, Russian Premier League and English Premier League as well. We will have uh, a chat about the Champions League and Europa League. That strange, strange incident or incidents last night in uh, Rome. And we will have, in the second part, we'll have Danny Armstrong. He'll be explaining just what is happening in Spartak. And also, is it time for Jose Mourinho to say adios in... Uh, or I, I don't know what the Portuguese for goodbye is, but let's just say it like goodbye anyway in uh, Man United. So, uh, we're going to kick off straight away with the Champions League. Of course, there was a full round of fixtures last night. Uh, of course, the one most interesting for us, for, um, well... Russians and Moscovite fans uh, Moscow fans of course with Siska they were in Rome they lost that one 3-0 we're going to speak about that in just a moment however there were some other you know, quite interesting games as well Bayern Munich won 2-0 away in Athens against AEK Young Boys managed to hold 
Valencia to a 1-1 draw in Bern Amsterdam Ajax of course they won 1-0 against Benfica Man United they dropped one we're going to speak again about that with uh, Danny a little bit later as well uh, lost at home 1-0 to Juventus Real Madrid they continue their winning ways winning 2-1 against Victoria Pilsen Shakhtar Donetsk they were quite a lucky in many sen- um, well many ways to go down 3-0 to Manchester City at home and TSG Hoffenheim had an absolutely cracking match I watched most of that game last night against Lyon 3-3 it ended however Andy that game okay let's talk about first the game on the field Siska uh, last night um, they they weren't really up to it were they I thought they played well in patches but when you play at that level in European football if you don't take your chances the other team will and that was really a case of it there was a few last night where they were getting in good positions uh, Vlasic Chaloff both had powerful shots both straight at the keeper and a few other ones where perhaps on another night they could have maybe made a, a, a game of it. Exactly. And you ca- you cannot afford to waste those chances. We saw that with Lokomotiv as well when they were playing in the last round. Uh, you know, they, against Schalke, they, they had a number of chances in the first half. They didn't take them and they were punished with just a few minutes to go. So you at that level... Same you can't score line as well. Exactly. And you cannot afford to uh, waste those chances. Yeah, especially when you've got players like Edin Zeko uh, for Roma, who's now scored five in his last two appearances, I believe. And should have had a hat-trick as well. He missed an absolute sitter in the second half from a corner. Exactly. Um, now, off the field, of course, there was there was quite a bit of action, more action off the field. Um, tell us, first start start off, first of all, with the escalator incident. What happened? Yeah, so I, it, almost uh, around about an hour or two hours before kickoff, just as fans were actually making their way to the Stadio Olimpico, there was a, a, one of the metro stations, I believe it was Repubblica, um, which is about 30 minutes out from the stadium, um, I mean, fan, the witness accounts that they've said was literally there are a number of fans jumping about and singing in, in buoyant mood before the game and the escalator that, were, that they were on all of a sudden seemed to malfunction or break or collapse at the bottom and they were all sent hurtling to the ground and lots of them all desperately trying to get on top of each other or off to the side of the escalator to the other side um, and a number of them were badly injured. I think there was about 30 people in total. Most of them were TSKA fans. Okay. Now, uh, as bad as that is, um, how serious are some of the injuries? The most serious one that I saw was uh, one of the ones trapped at the bottom. I I think a few of them actually got stuck in the engine or actually stuck between the plates of the escalator. So the biggest nightmare of all Um, people, like, I mean, to get stuck on an escalator. Um, I I, I believe one of them had their their foot amputated because of the the severity of the injuries. You could see in the still pictures that people were putting up online, um, there was a beer bottle just left sort of smashed at the bottom as all of the bits have sort of curled up and just blood across the bottom of it so a few people probably were quite badly injured others maybe a bit luckier just had a a real fright okay so i mean okay that's that of course high spirits people messing around and so on like for example a couple of years ago uh, or last year i should say when uh, liverpool playing in roma uh, you know, some of the Liverpool fans were having a bit of crack and they, they pushed a couple of people into the Trevi Fountain including Bangladeshi tourists and a Japanese tourists as well but again it was a bit of high spirits a bit of idiocy but nothing negative however before that game in Roma there were six of the fans uh, Liverpool fans stabbed it, like you know from it could be uh, well one in the in the buttocks um, slash wounds as well outside the Stadio Olimpio in Rome same thing again last night yeah I mean this is something that almost jokingly is known as a Roman salute for the away fans who are travelling to Rome. It it happens in the Italian league as well. The police are aware of these sort of issues that happen around these games. 
And quite frankly, when you have European visitors coming over, they should be taking more precaution to separate fans. Certainly, when I went to go and watch uh, a Europa League game last year um, at Zenit St. Petersburg, we didn't see a single home fan until we were already in the stadium. It was impeccably organised. And I know it is difficult in such a big city as Rome, but police should have some idea of how they're going to segregate the fans who are coming to the stadium early in order to avoid things like this, especially when there is some sort of track record almost to it. Now, I mean, let, let's, let's, let's uh, you know, look at this seriously because, of course, in April this year, uh, before outside Anfield, Sean Cox, an Irish fan, was stabbed by... He was attacked and then stabbed uh, by two Roma fans. Um, they, of course, escaped. One, one of them, I think, has got 18 months in jail. The other one escaped punishment for whatever reason. We, we still don't understand why there's no... Um, sensible reason given but uh, this man Sean Cox 53 year old um, huge contributor to his local GAA club in Dunboyne in County Meath in Ireland uh, also contributed to the local football club as well so he's like heart and soul community this isn't a guy who's like over looking for trouble he's like you know, a family man who now now I mean just what six almost seven months later yeah. he's regained consciousness not that, not that long ago he still cannot speak and he cannot walk unaided and these, this, this is a constant thing. I mean, should we not be a bit more outraged by this? Well, this is it. It's not just the, the injuries that you suffer through the stabbing. It's a whole traumatic experience that has a different effect on different people. Um, and yeah, I think, obviously, there are some complications with the ruling or law that comes across this in terms of what FIFA can do, in terms of what the police can do. Police can only, obviously, put down the law of the land where, where this incident has happened. And unfortunately, in some countries that perhaps doesn't reflect the nature of the injury or, or, or the post-trauma that the, the victim goes through. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, again, we, if, if, again, if this was, if these were English fans doing this, we'd be up in arms. If this was Russian fans doing it, which we've criticised the stupidity of idiots, uh, you know, their behaviour before, we'd be up in arms. It's just, it, it's just part and parcel. I mean, I've seen it when I went to, to, to Udine and Juve were coming to play Udinese and I saw guys walking along with like with uh, baseball bats and axes and I mean again 2014 a friend of mine from Veronese went across to watch this guy play Roma and again they were attacked on the way in they were bottled uh, there was this again no, I said the, the stabbing as well but this is just a constant constant thing so you know well this of course happened in 2014 as well yeah. so, for, so when, I mean, when CSKA last met Roma there was two fans uh, one was bottled and hospitalised the other one stabbed twice yeah so I mean this, this is this is non-stop um, you know like Roma come out and say oh this is terrible and I mean this this man like Sean Cox again I'm coming back onto this Sean Cox because this is a, you know again like a you know, father a normal man like went over to watch a game you know supports his local football team as well supports his local GAA team um, he's just a lover of sport and he still is unable to speak you know so you know and, and, and Roma of course and Liverpool had nice statements oh poor man poor man but well the sad thing is there's only so much the club can actually do other than perhaps banning this person from ever entering the ground again but if you put restraining orders on people it still means that they can get close to the vicinity of the stadium on a night and there's not really any checks to, to, to say that you know, they violated a, a curfew or sort of Order was saying that they can't be within two mile radius, or it's it's near enough impossible for the club to really just justifiably punish what some of the, some of the actions of their fans. But should, should UEFA then? I mean, should they 
Could it be the case where you just like put Roma out of European competition? I mean, it's suggested with clubs all along, not just closed doors. I mean, we have racist chanting, that's bad enough, but then people losing their lives. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does beg the question of how much responsibility does the club really have to take for its fan base because some of these people aren't necessarily fans. They're going for an occasion or they're going, in this case, for a fight. Yeah. Um, so whether you punish the club because of that, I think probably... You can, yeah, I think the behind closed doors situation, yes, it affects them financially, but for a lot of these clubs that play Champions League football, having a full house for one night is not going to make a difference no, to I their mean, bank the, account. No, the, the TV, uh, rice and all, uh, you know, make more. Okay, look, we're, we're, we'll park that right now and we'll, we'll move on. And of course, there's a, a huge game tonight because Zadok the Priest is going to ring out out at the Day Arena. We will be there. Um, you know, as you listen to this, it'll be kicking off uh, in 45 minutes, under an hour. Um, a very impressive Porto team in town. Andy, uh, is a point the best that local can hope for in this game? I think they have to win it. If, if, if they want to have any serious aspirations of playing any form of European football after Christmas, they have to win tonight. Porto had a cagey start to the season. They lost a couple of games that they perhaps would normally you know, be thumping these teams. But they're still um, good in Europe. I mean, they're very strong. Yeah, but tonight I also think uh, Vincent Abubakar, the big striker that they have, he's not playing. And that is a, a big, big miss for them because he is, has a proven track record in Europe as well. The players that come in to replace him are just as good, but they haven't really proven themselves or established themselves on a European level. And I think this is Lokomotiv's chance to get up and running tonight. Yeah, didn't you, I mean, I, I, I would take a point before this game because if we're looking at, say, the odds, like they're 10 to 3. Uh, Porto or evens so I mean you know for a visiting team in Moscow weather I mean that's that's pretty decent odds you know to for, for a local if you're going to back them to win so um, of course that's kicking off at 10 o'clock tonight as I said we're there right now so um, you know fingers crossed they'll be able to do it uh, elsewhere tonight of course uh, Spurs are away to PSV Eindhoven uh, Brugge, Club Brugge are home against AS Monaco. They are both kicking off. They've already kicked off right now. Um, Barcelona have Internacional, uh, International, or <laughs> Inter Milan there at home. Of course, 10 o'clock kickoff. All these games are going to say now are 10 o'clock. So Borussia Dortmund against Atletico Madrid. Galatasaray against Schalke. That's in uh, Lokomotiv's group. Liverpool against West Star Belgrade should be a fairly handy win there for Liverpool. And PSG against Napoli. So all at 10 o'clock. And I mean, Looking at it, Schalke. I mean, Schalke. They're they're going to have a tough tough ask down in Galatasaray to win, but you should be looking at a draw there, wouldn't they? Yeah, both sides have had Galatasaray had been doing reasonably well. They had a couple of little blips here and there, but they don't seem to have the same consistency that they once had in their own the domestic league. Yeah, Schalke have enough players, but as we were speaking about the other week, um, they only really got their first points on the board um, with 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 a, a very important win. So. It'd be difficult for them. It's a bit of a fortress. There'll be a big atmosphere. I think a point would probably suit Schalke tonight. I think a point would suit both teams because it'll keep them both in the hunt as well, like your for top two spots. Okay, uh, tomorrow night on Thursday, just before we go to break, we'll just quickly have a look at a couple of these matches because um, big one, ASA, AC Milan playing Real Betis. That, that's a pretty decent game, kicking off on Thursday night at 8 o'clock or 7.55. Your boy Celtic, you're playing against the Fizzy Drinks team out in Leipzig. Party. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think a, a draw there would be pretty decent. I'd be over the moon with that. Yeah, I, th I think for Cel because I mean Leipzig, with their uh, let's say their sports medicine uh, expertise from Eastern Germany, of course, don't speak about that. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough ask for Celtic to to win, but a draw should be doable. Yeah, Leipzig are the one uh, 
out of the two Red Bull teams, they're the ones that have been given more funds and a bit more backing. Salzburg stay well within their remit in terms of spending. They they actually make a good profit off their players, but they Salzburg beat Leipzig. Of course, um, we struggled badly in the second half against Salzburg. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully, fingers crossed for. If we get a good start. That's it. You never know. That's the most important thing. Okay. Also, uh, kicking off tomorrow, uh, Zenit at uh, 7.55 as well. They're playing at home against Bordeaux. So, you know, good game. Good game in prospect. Chelsea are home to Bate Borisov. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt have Apollon Limassol. Eintracht doing quite well at the moment on a bit of a run, uh, beating everyone in front of them. So, it should, uh, uh, should be a win there for them. Spartak away in Glasgow against Rangers. That's, we're going to speak with Danny now in just a few minutes. That's a tough one for, for, for Spartak to go straight into like that kind of baptism of fire and an absolute hell in Glasgow. Yeah, um, Rangers, I mean, everyone's been talking about what a great start Steven Gerrard's made. Up until last weekend, he actually hadn't made uh, even as good a start as what Pedro Cascina had made, who got fired the season before. Um, they've got a terrible away record. In fact, I think their win against Hamilton was their first in months. Um, but at home, they're, they're, they're good, fierce opposition. Okay. And also, Krasnodar, they are away against Standard Liège. Those two games kick off at 10 o'clock. Right. We're going to go out to the break. Uh, something that I guess, you know, we'll, let's, we'll lighten the mood a little bit. So, uh, we have Jungle Brothers and Freak New Baby. So, stay with us after break. We'll be back with Danny Armstrong. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. <laughs>
FM Moscow 105.3. Every Friday at 1 a.m. on Capital FM Moscow. I like the way you do your Capital Commercial. Наступает. Время создавать новое. Время оттачивать свое мастерство. Быть безупречным в деталях. Лучшим из лучших. Гросс. Гарантия совершенства. Информация по телефону. 8 800 249 49 8 800 249 49 и на сайте www.instrument.ru Оптовый поставщик Мир Инструмента Квартира с отделкой в Новой Москве Жилой комплекс Южная Бунина от группы компании МИЦ Ищите нас по запросу Южная Бунина или звоните 495-152-0505. ООО «Московский ипотечный центр МИЦ». Проектная декларация на сайте www.mitsdefizbunina.ru Вода – источник жизни и красоты. Компания «Вода онлайн» доставит в ваш дом питьевую воду самого высшего качества. Достаточно позвонить по телефону 495-783-82-81 или зайти на сайт водаонлайн.ру Capital. Capital. Capital with Alan Moore. Okay, and we're back. This is Capital Sports Part Two with Alan Moore and Andy McLean in the studio. Uh, Andy, we, I know we were kind of depressed in the start of this with uh, everything that's happened in Rome, and we're discussing you know bad behaviour and so on and what could be done. However, we we did lighten the mood at the very, very end of it all, saying about like what could be happening. Uh, Good things with Russian teams, of course, that song that we played out with. Uh, Andy, just before we, we, we bring in uh, Danny Armstrong, who's on the line waiting for us, that Man United game yesterday, that, I mean, they had chances to win it, but they just, I don't know, something is badly lacking in, in, in United. Defence, I think. They just, I, I don't think Mourinho really knows his best back four. And if they're going to play a back four, then you need to have two central defenders in the manner that they've had for, for years and years. It'd been, you know, Stam, Vidic, Bruce and Pallister. They need some sort of link, some combination where the understanding is there. In phases last night, I thought they, they did quite well. Um, and they had chances to score. That one with Paul Pogba curling it off the post and then it comes exactly, back off yeah. Chesney's head and out. On another night, they could have won that, but I thought Juve looked impressive in, in parts as well. Juve are a good team. A very, very good team. I mean, the one thing that I was sort of I can't say sick, but it was a bit odd for me. Was the kind of the greeting for the behavior like everything around Cristiano Ronaldo? It's kind of like uh, like people. There were a couple of questions, hands raised in the in the presser beforehand. Said um, Cristiano, do you have anything to to add about the allegations and so on, and uh, that or that you've admitted? To, and I was like, everyone shouted down the reporters who asked the questions. It was like it's a very very strange atmosphere. Everything yesterday just was really strange, and I, and I did think United were going to give him a good beating and I was hoping that they would but then again you know it's not that, it's not that he's not there just as much as he probably is in Juve at the moment yeah I mean I'm, I'm, I've still this stuff come out I still as a footballer I admire him I think he, he's he's without doubt one of the, the best of you know he's, he's one of the best position players of all time but I don't know okay alright um, you were waiting for that cough in the press conference <coughs> <Right>. yeah, <laughs> yeah I was waiting for someone to bring it up and just to really make it because like I mean they, they, they had a decent draw um, last uh, last weekend 2-2 with Chelsea of course it was the incident between the assistant the Chelsea assistant and uh, Mourinho when that goal was scored by Chelsea um, then last night United lose uh, is it 
is it is it time, Andy? I mean, we'll ask Danny in, in a minute, but is it time to, you know, Mourinho moves on? Because he had Bournemouth coming up this weekend away as well. But, I mean, surely the club won't stand too much more. It's funny because watching the, the Chelsea uh, coach celebrate reminded me of an incident when a certain Mr Mourinho ran down the touchline at Old Trafford when Porto scored a late goal in the Champions League. Um, and nobody said a thing about his reaction. Well, I think Ferguson might have Probably said it was yeah, a little yeah. bit, um, bit OTT. But the thing for me at the moment is that the players look like they want to play again. There seems to be a new sort of found enthusiasm in the last couple of games where you're watching the Newcastle game where they turned it round. I mean, wow, what, it was all of a sudden, this is like the old Trafford of, of old. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's a bit of a And then against Chelsea... First half they could have they could have been blown away. Second half just they played some of the best football I've seen them play in years. Yeah, I mean I I, I was impressed by some of their even for yesterday as well. I mean I, I watched albeit just started the game and then some highlights because I came in uh, late from training and seeing how they were playing, how they were controlled, that they they actually had the energy and the will to go forward. I mean it, it's it, it's a tough one. It's it's a tough one to sort of I don't know I. I know Andrew Flynn told us last week, fire him. A lot of people fire him, but I don't know. I think he... I mean, who do you get in to replace him for that? There's it, no one it's, out there. It's such a difficult one, and he seems to have suddenly realised that if he players, plays players like Marty Allen Rashford, who run at defenders, who make the stadium atmosphere more exciting again, all of a sudden, things might start to turn your way. And then, who knows, if the results start clicking in, then all of this is forgotten about. Of course it is. I mean, they're not that far off the top as well. I mean, you know, they're they're what? Okay, they're they're okay. They're back in their tenth place. But I mean, if you look at it overall, I think they're what? They're on fourteen points. You know, nine points behind Man City is not a whole lot. I mean, they can chase down anybody if they get a run because they have the talent in that team. Yeah, it's about finding that that consistency level where they get maybe five wins under the belt and make Old Trafford a very difficult place for the big clubs to come and visit. That's it. We saw Lokomotiv start this year as well, like all over the gap, and just players not fitting in, and Showman, you know, looking on the way out and his, let's say, <laughs> rather like, you know, not great behaviour on and off uh, around the field. But, you know, they have managed to turn around and get a bit of a run going. So, I mean, why not United? They, they, they could do it as well. Absolutely, yeah. As you said, Lokomotiv and TSK both had shaky starts, and all of a sudden three bad results for the teams round about them and they're right back in the mix exactly it was good stuff in the third part of course isn't that one thing that I mentioned a bit earlier on about Cristiano Ronaldo I mean you know, the, the, the rape allegations are out there um, he had paid off this woman to stay silent and so on in Las Vegas we, we know that that for a fact because it's all there in black and white um, you saying you feel a little bit sorry for him in a way a tiny bit because obviously I don't know the full extent of the truth here and I'm not sure anyone really will there's got to be, a, to, to an extent, a certain feeling around these players that they can't actually really have a normal life when they're out doing these things or having a fun time at a club or a party. If they take someone back to their room, all of a sudden there is always a chance that something might happen where, Again, okay, we, yeah. all, we all regret things that we've done in our past. Unfortunately, for Cristiano Ronaldo, he's paid to be in the spotlight and therefore that's exactly what's happened to him I mean there's a lot of you know we, we, we know ourselves of like stories and tales and so on and so forth and things that can be said and can be done but at the same time he is there in the spotlight he has been picked on and you know it is it is difficult you know it, it's for, for me reading about it a lot of it just didn't make sense to me what, what had happened 
Um, you know, prosecuted by all manner means. If he if he's done it, okay, he paid her off, but there still should have been a criminal prosecution. That something that should not be if it's if it can be proved in a court of law, put him in jail. I think if, it, if if his lawyers and Juventus were more concerned about it, he wouldn't be playing football games at the moment. Yeah, I, I do think that they're, they're looking to, to go away. Um, listen, we, we're having a bit of problem trying to get uh, Danny Armstrong on the line, but we will we'll, we'll persevere with that. Um, we will have just a look ahead, of course, this weekend to the English Premier League because we'll, we'll deal with the uh, Russian Premier League uh, in the next section. However... Uh, you know, it's, it's it's looking quite interesting right now in the English Premier League because there's a bit more, how do you say, um, a bit more oomph to some of the some of the sides. I mean, last weekend, of course, we had West Ham losing at home to Spurs. That that was kind of we we did see that happen. Even though Spurs weren't doing well, but like you did sort of say that Spurs were the Spurs away record this season has been extremely good. Yeah. So I mean, I, West Ham have turned around, but didn't do better. Of course, Liverpool get that one 0 winning away against Huddersfield on Saturday. That was that was decent for them. Yeah, it was important. I think Salah getting a goal as well, um, just to get the three points on the board. I was, I was discussing with a Liverpool fan during the week that it was one of those games, if you were backing or desperately wanting a Liverpool win, you wanted that match to finish after 75 minutes because Huddersfield really put them under the cosh for, oh, yeah. for, for a period of time. And it was similar, I think, last season at Anfield, Huddersfield had a massive chance in the 92nd minute and uh, it was a fantastic save. Yeah, decent team. They've got a lot of like um, clever work behind them as well. I mean, they've got a lot, like, a lot of good people in the club. We're going to speak with someone, uh, Sean Jarvis from uh, Huddersfield Town in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, he's their commercial director. And I mean, they, they put a lot of work in on and off the field. So, I mean, it's doing quite well. Arsenal's 3-1 win against Leicester City. We, you did say that. Like I, I sort of said like that's that's going to be tough for Leicester to get something out of it. Even though Arsenal, as you said last week, are conceding goals under Emery, they are doing very, very well. Yeah, the, I was so impressed with some of their, their play. Um, second half, the, the one-touch football and running and imagination, even when they weren't creating something or countering, they were still moving the ball about very, very quickly and patiently waiting for something to appear. And if it broke down, they got behind the ball but kept a high line to make sure that Leicester couldn't really do anything other than hit hopeful ones forward. Yeah. I was really impressed. Uh, you know, that, that, that win, of course, for Man City 5 0 over Burnley in the Lancashire Derby. I mean, that, that's a big one, but you expect Man uh, them to win that. Wolves uh, dropped another one against Watford 2 0 at home, so that was tough for them. Everton are starting to, to pick up, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to like, pick themselves up a little bit, like 2 0 win at home against Crystal Palace on Sunday. Yeah, um, as, as I predicted last week, a bit of a feisty one with the foul count, <laughs> yeah. and we got the penalty that we needed, even though Crystal Palace missed it. I think there'd be a, a certain Mr. Hodgson that would have been absolutely fuming to then see his so. side uh, to, to ship the two goals and lose anything from that game. But yeah, Everton are start. I, I think they have looked quite good throughout the season, perhaps mm-hmm. not getting the rub of the green. I've had to allow a few players to maybe settle in. Um, I think they can probably push towards European places but I, th- I think they'll fall short Listen uh, did we get those bets last week in the English Premier League? So the Everton one was was a winner the other one unfortunately I was looking at Newcastle half-time full-time against Brighton and Brighton I think pulled off one of their first exactly. away wins in. it was a shocker it was a shocker in a long, long, long time so okay, that's not so bad. What odds did we get on that? Uh, the first one was with two to one, three to one, it three was. to one. That's so right. three to one. Combined with uh, one of our Russian ones as well, the Rubin one, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, it was the Ural uh, Krylia Sovietov. That's right. Um, where for their five meetings now they've, they've 
both scored in each game. So Very a tidy nice. profit on the week. We did quite well. Okay, this weekend coming up, okay, well, let's, let's have a look at the English Premier League. So this weekend coming up, we have uh, on Saturday, we've got a fair few matches on. We have uh, Brighton home to Wolves, Fulham, Bournemouth, Liverpool, Cardiff City, Southampton, Newcastle, Watford, Huddersfield and Leicester at home to West Ham. I think we stuck at those from uh, those games, those six games. I think Watford are priced up far too big this weekend against Huddersfield, who obviously have really been struggling. Mm-hmm. And Watford um, just seem to, just when you Three think they're losing, on. Uh, Three to four on. Yeah, was, that's... I, I think that's far too big. I was expecting uh, maybe half of that, uh, yeah. just because Watford have been playing so well. And when they appear like they're going to lose momentum, they they pull out another great result like last weekend against Wolves. So you reckon you reckon that uh, Watford should win that at home? I think Watford would be my banker. Um, okay. This weekend in the Premier League. All right, Sunday you've got a uh, Burnley, Chelsea, uh, Palace, Arsenal, Man U, and Everton. That Man U, Everton. That next should be good to watch. Just kicking off at seven o'clock Moscow time on Sunday. Man United, of course, they are mm, slight favourites, thirteen to twenty, and Everton seventeen to four. But that's a decent Everton team. Yes, but I think Man U should be too good. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, difficult one to come to lift yourself back up again after defeat in the Champions League but yeah I think on on paper if Man U put in similar kind of performance even in losing to Juve I, I think they should maybe get a, a sort of 2-0 two, 3-1 two sort of win alright uh, on Monday Monday night at Wembley it's just so weird it's like Spurs so Spurs at Wembley so Spurs playing Man City it's 11 o'clock kickoff time here in Moscow so late kickoff in England but I think the clocks have gone back so I think it's only 8 o'clock in London. 11 o'clock here. Um, Clocks don't change here, of course. Of course, it is stay still, thankfully. Um, Spurs 3-1 to one and Man City 5-4 to four on. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not confident that Man City are that much better than Spurs. Spurs actually have by far the best. I mean, if you were to go a Premier League table just on away form, Spurs are top. Manchester City have such an impressive home record. I think they've scored 18, uh, conceded just two. Yeah, that's right. Flip that the other way round, and yeah, all of a sudden I think you've got yourself a really good fixture on the, on the cards. But City have scored eight away from home. Yeah. So I mean, they're they're economical in every sense, but they still do score goals. But still, it's uh, yeah, it's a bit of an hassle. And they've obviously had travelling um, from from yesterday. Exactly. To take into account. Looking at just just as the, the look, there's now nine games into the season, so we're in a tenth game this weekend for each team. Uh, City sitting top ahead of Liverpool and Chelsea. You know, it, but they're just only ahead of Liverpool on, on goal difference because they're both in 23 points. Chelsea, Arsenal, and Spurs all hugging each other. It's the three London teams on 21 points. So that, that's quite interesting. While they're like just like there's nothing between them. Um, down the bottom of the table, of course, uh, you've got Fulham. Uh, Fulham and Cardiff both on five points they're 17th and 18th and Huddersfield and Newcastle they're 19th and 20th on three and two points uh, I mean right now it's looking like Newcastle they they look like gone so they, have, they haven't won a game all season they need to make a change in quick and I know there's been a lot of talk about Rafa Benitez um, potentially getting the sack and Brendan Rodgers being linked with the job the current Celtic manager being linked with that job Um but I was looking at that with a friend who is a Newcastle fan this week and you'd probably be looking at £6 million to get rid of Benitez to pay off his contract and Celtic have slapped a price tag of £9 million on Brendan Rodgers 
Well, so not getting someone, I don't know. You'd then be looking at Mike Ashley dipping in 15 million to change his manager when he's not really willing to dip that much into a new player? I'm not so hey, sure. No, no, no. And I think even looking as well, looking at the way Newcastle do it, they, they could end up looking at a Pardew or a big Sam Allardyce or someone who can, like, you know, get yeah. the team playing and get them. Because, I mean, they're only, they're only like five points away, really, or four points away from, say, or tr- actually, they're only three points away effectively from safety so I mean two three wins and they are out you know they're off the bottom and they're a decent team I mean they're very unlucky if they had beaten United that time or even drawn with United they you know it, it would be a completely different scenario yeah you'd, it, it, that sort of result away from home does wonders for your confidence and they obviously had that missed penalty in the 90th minute in one game with it cost them points so yeah if you take maybe two or three games out and say just small elements change there and there they might pick up points, but you could be saying the same at the end of the season and saying, well, that's true, that's true. We're down. You never go, so will Rafa stay or go? Will Marina stay or go? And of course, Massimo McGuire has already bitten the dust. And we're going to go out to the break right now at, uh, well, just, you know, we're very, very shortly coming up to kick off here in the Airsday Arena. So this is Queen and another one by us. We'll be back after the break. Let's go! She walks down the street with the no sound with the sound of speed Machine guns ready to go Are you ready? Hey, are you ready for this? Are you hanging on the edge of your seat? Out of the doorway the bullets rip To the sound of the beat, yeah Another one bites the dust Another one bites the dust And another one gone And another one gone Another one bites the dust, yeah Gonna get you to another one buys the dust Монолитный дом, шесть корпусов, охраняемая территория. 
4 километра от Москвы. Игровые площадки, детский сад, продуманные планировки, квартиры с отделкой, зеленая территория, парки, подземный паркинг, собственный торговый центр, три стадиона, детские студии и кружки. Дома уже построены. Квартал «Краски жизни». Застройщик «Аусити-21 век». Проектная декларация на сайте краскижизневидное.ру Наступает время создавать новое. Время оттачивать свое мастерство. Быть безупречным в деталях. Лучшим из лучших. Дрос. Гарантия совершенства. Информация по телефону. 8 800 249 49 8 800 249 49 и на сайте www.instrument.ru Оптовый поставщик Мир Инструмента Новый жилой комплекс на территории Новой Москвы от группы компаний МИЦ Ищите нас по запросу Клиновая аллей или звоните 495 106 23 22 ООО «Московский ипотечный центр МИЦ». Проектная декларация на сайте www.klendefisallay.ru With Alan Moore. Welcome back to part three of Kappa Sports here tonight. I am Alan Moore. Still with me in the studio. He hasn't escaped just yet is Andy McLean. Andy, okay, as all our listeners there listen to us right now uh, live on their, radios, on their radios or the cars or online, wherever it may be, even on podcasts, of course, you can download this show on soundcloud.com and on iTunes, available for you. Kappa Sports Moscow. Andy, a huge, huge weekend of games last week and, um, you know, it, it was quite interesting the Premier League of course because it really really rocked up the table Siska they won away against Angie 2-0 that was on Friday night uh, Lokomotiv I was there they won 2-1 at home against Rostov absolute cracker of a game really 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 good game I mean well deserved win for Lokomotiv as well they were by far the better team the NSA picked up a point away against Orenburg 0-0 Ural drew 1-1 with uh, Krylia Sovitov Ufa 0-0 with Rubin so <laughs> a lot of draws there Dino Moscow pulled off for me the shock of the weekend I don't care what happened with Arsenal but that was a shock of the weekend 1-0 against an absolute powerhouse Dinamo side Spartak lost at home 3-2 against Arsenal Tula and of course that cost Massimo McQuarrie his job and Ahmad won away a, a bit of a shocker 1-0 against Krasnodar so Andy looking at those results it has closed up the table quite uh, you know substantially Zenit of course still still striding ahead they're on 25 points in first place but in second place Krasnodar and Siska 19 Lokomotiv and Rostov and Rubin and also Spartak of course as well are all on 18 points so I mean there's everything there to play for, for 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 every single Moscow team. Even Dinamo, 13 points back in 11th place, but they still have a chance to, to chase down the European spot. Yeah, it was really quite an incredible uh, turn up for the books. In yeah, three games. Um, for me, watching the the Spartak Tula game, um, it was just almost calamitous. Just some of some of the goals. Spartak took the lead, looked very comfortable. Give away a silly pen. The striker misses it with one of the worst penalties I've seen for some time, but Maximenko can only get a leg to it to put it straight back to him. And then they just fell apart in the second half. It was utterly bizarre. Whereas Dinama, I think, played quite well, and it was a wonderful goal, the sort of cross that lures a keeper out and somebody full stride running in, full pace, heads it into the empty net, and they, and they held on. 
I mean, it is it is good to see that, like, uh, you know, Dynamo, of course, they're, they're in action this week in the Cup. They're away against Rubin. That's, that's uh, kicking off at 7 o'clock. Um, I mean, Dynamo, fair play. I mean, they've, they've rallied around themselves. They've, they've done quite well, and they're having a decent season. And, I mean, that win against Zenit is just phenomenal. I was talking about earlier in the season on, on the show about Dynamo's high-pressing game and the way that they're trying to set themselves up. And I've been very pleased when results haven't been going for them that they haven't tinkered with that too much. They, they think that this is going to work and they're going to persist with it. And it, they might not be the most exciting team to watch, but they make it extremely uncomfortable for whoever's coming to visit them. Um, yeah, and I, I think they've, they've got a small chance of pushing for European places if the top half of the table continues to do this rotation of yeah, yeah. picking results off each other. I mean, And again, like looking at, say, for example, like some of the other games that, that, that uh, did take place, I mean, that Krasnodar loss to Ahmad that was that was tough for them to take because if they had won that they could have stretched their legs and cut Zenit's lead down to three points to a single win yeah that would have been an incredible weekend for them with everyone below them sort of dropping the odd point here and there and obviously playing Thursday night football in, in the Europa League it's, n- it's no easy task between September and December or the winter break here to put yourself really in contention when you have to play I mean Krasnodar don't have a big squad no, so therefore no. they're having to rotate and they're kind of reluctant to use a few of the, the youngsters like uh, Ignatiev up front at the moment because it might be a little bit much for him. Well, I mean, he's knocking goals in for fun at every single level. He can score goals. But again, like, yeah, OK, they're blooding him in very, very lightly. But, you know, losing small of you, think, oh, it's going to be tough for them. And then there they are again. But they always seem to choke. They're kind of these great teams that like challenge, challenge, challenge and then fall back to third or fourth place at the end of the season. And it's our man Ari that's keeping them up at the moment. Exactly, good old Finding Ari. Like, you know. But I mean, down there, it's, he's got no competition so he can eat all his hamburgers and still play for them, you know. Uh, okay, this weekend coming up, uh, we're all home to Ufa. That is on Saturday also. Uh, another two games on Saturday. Arsenal, Tula against Orenburg and Rostov and G. Anything there to look at? I mean, you'd fancy Arsenal to, to at least, you know, get one over on uh, Orenburg. Orenburg are a very similar side to Arsenal too, and I think that might be... We, we saw a few nil-nils last week. I think that could be a sort of similar one where I don't think there'll be many goals. So maybe an under 2.5 there, but it doesn't really interest me too much. No, so the, OK, then on Sunday, of course, there's one... It's, it's turning to be a double header between these two teams because, of course, they meet next Wednesday in the Cup. Uh, Yensei Krasnoyarsk uh, hosts Lokomotiv Moscow. That is kicking off at 2 o'clock Moscow time. Ahmad Dinamo Moscow... Uh, at 4.30 Siska against Krasnodar a big 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 match out uh, in the Siska Arena at 7 o'clock on Sunday you'd, you'd fancy Lokomotiv to win but they're going to play Yenisei again on uh, Wednesday but would that be two wins out of two for them against the, the, their uh, Siberian you would hope so Yenisei have made it difficult for a few clubs so far this season that Spart- Spartak obviously just snuck past them um, but you would expect Lokomotiv to have a bit too much quality there. Okay. Uh, Dinamo away in Grozny. Really tough one to call. Both coming off the back of shock 1 0 wins. Yeah, I'm. Whew, I couldn't call that at all. I'd, yeah. I'd maybe favour the home side slightly. Okay. I, I'm going for a draw on that one. This guy home to Krasnodar. You, t- you, you have to see Krasnodar bouncing back after that. I'm, I'm going. Eight, I'm going eight out of ten cats on my tips for the uh, yeah. for, for the Russian Premier League this week. So the last ten games that Cerskar Krasnodar have played each other, eight of them both teams have scored. 
So I'm going for both teams to score. Both teams to score. One. Okay. All right. Then on Monday, there are two games. You have Krylisovitov hosting Zenit out in Samara. That is kicking off at 6 o'clock. And Spartak look to, well, to get back into at least winning ways or at least some, like, not losing ways against uh, Rubin out in Kazan. That's 8.30 kickoff on Monday. I mean, that's, that's going to be... Like tough for Spartak, they have a, um, the Thursday game, of course, away in uh, Glasgow against Rangers, and then they're away again in Kazan. So I mean, it's going from hell to hell. Yeah, um, it, it the most exciting thing for me, really, out of all of this, is to see what starting eleven they pick, um, because Carrera, something in the dressing room wasn't right. Whether it was a bit of a player rebellion, whether he'd fallen out with two or three of the 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 big wigs in, you know. The more, well, he, he the more respected bit, Yeah, he, he'd fallen out a bit with, uh, whatchamacallum, with uh, Glushakov and a few of us. But there was more going on behind that as well than, than we were allowed to The Yeromenko situation yeah, and things like yeah, that, yeah. 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 Um, there was a lot. I mean, uh, Promes had not such nice things to say when he went away. Now he's in Spain and he kind of was like, well, he said we underachieved and I think it might have led to the coach. So a bit of stupidity, like a parting shot that didn't really need to be taken at Carrera. But do you think this is maybe perhaps a foreign coach coming in demanding more than what they're used to? Yeah, it could be that case. Um, if you look at it, I mean, I, I was working with uh, Spartak when Una Emery was there. I mean, just at the end of his kind of really very, very short career there. But at the end of it all, like this, this thing, you hear players and people within the club and these nasty little things and unfortunately Valeri Carpini took part in it as well uh, kind of like uh, working against the coach where they're saying like he doesn't understand Russian football but I mean that's absolute nonsense and codswall because you know if you're a coach you're a coach you know you, you, you can speak the language not speak the language but language doesn't make a difference but this is this thing in Spartak that you know the fans like they're demanding they want to be the best but they've had what one title win in like you know, not twenty years, but the best part of, you know, and, it, and it was our man that that got it. He's exactly, now gone. exactly. And you got them there, got them across the line. I mean, no matter who goes in. I mean, it was funny. Like Spartak fans are like, oh, like if Mourinho leaves Man United, we'll get him. Or maybe Arsene Wenger wants to come here. I'm going. Who in their right mind would want to take over Spartak? I mean, Spartak fan said to me this week, well, we we might be in for Brendan Rodgers, and I just laughed. I mean. No, I mean, I'm many, mad to take many, many years ago. I, w- I, I thought that Roy Keane would be the real man to come in, but I think he'd end up punching out Lena Fidun. I think he'd end up punching out some of the people who work in the club. He'd end up like smacking their PR people around the whole lot. So, I mean, you know, they've got this guy, like, a, let's say he's a fitness coach who's taken over, uh, or an assistant. He was assistant, of course, at uh, Dino Kiev. He's an assistant now taking over uh, Riancio, Riancio, the um, Argentinian. You know, I don't know, he, he's been knocking around as a fitness coach and a, an assistant, but he's not going to stay that long. He'll be fired as soon as someone else comes in. Mourinho was knocking around as a translator before. Yeah, but Mourinho <laughs> learned well under Bob, Bobby Robson, in all fairness. Like he's a good coach, and, and he like he, he worked his way up. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, um, you know, he, of course, said like he, was, he was an assistant coach, of course, to the Ukraine national team. But I met Riancho. There's not so much to him. He's, he's a good guy. He puts out the cones and does his toll. But, you know, he does his toll, of course, which is important for, for Dunn as well because he wants, he wants to phone the coach before a game and say, who are you going to pick? You know, and, and to tell who should be picked. So, yeah, they need someone who's going to be a bit of a man-manager for the next few weeks to get everyone back on board again and to make sure that they're in the right frame of mind kicking on when they finally do appoint someone. Exactly, exactly. Because that is the point that, that, that needs to be made is that, 
you need someone who can just stand up to the owner because that is one thing that local people are quite lucky. They don't have that. They don't have the president phoning to say, okay, who are you picking? I don't like him. Don't pick him. Or he said something stupid about the club. I mean, there's not that interference as there are in many, not just in Russia, of course, many, many clubs. Uh, I remember the secretary of Hyduck Split walking down with another board member, uh, a former West Ham and Derby County player, uh, central defender, I, I don't need to name you can Google that, uh, walking down to the dressing room and firing the manager in the middle of a game because he refused to, um, you know, put on a substitute that they wanted to put on. So, I mean... We were talking about Rud Hullett's fax machine, weren't we, there? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, Hullett, yeah. Same, basically, no... fax come through? Yeah, I don't have to pick it. I have a good story. I have a... Sorry, folks, bear with me this. And this is a true story from Saudi Arabia. One of the greatest ever goals of all time. Saeed Alawairan, 1994. Andy, you were only a little chiseler at that time. 1994, World Cup in America. Look up Saeed Alawairan. He scored a goal against Belgium, which basically took the one he ran 60 yards with it oh basically just slalom through and all. now <clears throat> Saeed was not originally excuse me for that like cough uh, Saeed was originally not picked in the Saudi team for consorting with uh, foreign women uh, western women and also drinking and partying which he did I mean uh, where he was playing but he's, he's a great goal scorer but like just a bit he's just a nice guy a bit of a party guy and I met him a few times he's a lovely fellow anyway uh, he wasn't due to be picked. The coach, I think it was a Brazilian coach at the, of the Saudi team, said, I'm not picking him. That's it. The uh, crown prince phoned and said, have you got your team ready? Like, have you, picked, like, you got your team ready? He, he also upheld the sort of the, the ban on Saeed. Uh, so crown prince called, and of course it was the difference in time. Like, you know, it was in, in America, it was in Dallas. And he didn't realise it. And then the, the coach, the Brazilian coach said, I'm not going to... Uh, name my team now I said I'll, I'll tell him tell him I'll call him in the morning and in March a couple of security staff said right you've effectively been fired you'll sit in the bench and so on and the team manager uh, was a Saudi guy he had to pick the team because the, the Brazilian coach said if I'm not managing that's it I'm not picking the team so the Saudi guy like Saeed al said he could do something and he picked him in the team and history was made so basically that's <laughs> you don't you don't annoy your employer. Lucky he's not a journalist, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> let's not go there. Sorry, let's too not soon, go there. Yeah, that. bit of a raw point. Okay, very very quickly before we go away, because only a few minutes left, uh, and of course kickoff is coming up in just a few minutes as well. So uh, round uh, round of eight, of course, uh, the last sixteen uh, in the cup next week. Orenburg at home against Tumen. Tumen had that massive win on penalties against Tsar Moscow. Um, Ural Nizhnovgorod uh, that's of course on Wednesday Lokomotiv at home 7.30 next Wednesday night uh, against the NSA uh, Ahmad playing at home against Arsenal Tula Skriliasovitov they're playing on Thursday against Krasnodar at home Rostov Zenit and Spartak Moscow against Angie. so Spartak have a couple of tough games coming up I mean the cup as well like, their season could effectively end this week in the next seven days that could be basically it next eight days done done does it yeah, I mean, they've already lost to Rapid Vienna, which was a real shock to me because they've been struggling in the Austrian league for a while. And, and then, yeah, as you say, if, if, if they lose to Rangers tonight, lose at the weekend, lose in the cup, I mean, where do they go from there? They're, they're coming up to a winter break on, a, on an absolute downer and unless you maybe bring in a few big, big-name players, then it's going to be a long season for their fans. And listen, if you look at it as well, like, who are you going to... Uh, who's going to want to take over that job? Because, I mean, realistically... That's just a hiding to nothing with nothing to play for. And no matter what, they're going to kick you out at the end of the season. Even with a big budget and say, OK, you've got 30-odd million to spend on players in January, attracting players to Russia for the 
you know, the winter break, effectively, and then to start back up again in March with nothing to play for. Yeah. It's going to have to be a sizable contract in order to persuade people in. Very much so. Uh, just, I, I stand corrected uh, that it was Jorge Raul Solari who was the coach, the Argentinian. Well, I was in the right continent, anyway. Uh, who had uh, played for a lot of top teams, of course, played for Argentina as well. So he managed Independiente and Newell's Old Boys. And, of course, he was the uh, coach of the Saudi Arabian team in 94 at the World Cup, who, of course, got fired on the spot. He only lasted, I think, before the World Cup. I think he already qualified and then was fired right after. So, Andy, we're going away. So, listen, uh, final tip for tonight. What do you reckon? Lokomotiv or Porto? Put your money on the line. Both teams to score. Both teams to score. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. So, folks, right now, if you can, put both teams to score. The kickoff is coming up now in just a few minutes, in about five, six minutes' time. We're going to go out uh, with with a, a nice bit of a tune, something that's going to make us happy, shall we say, because, you know, it is going to be a party at the Arizona Arena. So, this are, these are the Black IPs, and uh, let's get the party started. And we'll be back with you next week, same time, same bat channel. Capital Sports. With Alan Moore. To lose our inhibition, follow your intuition. Free your inner soul and break away from tradition. Cause when we be out, girl is pulling me out. You wouldn't believe how we wow shit out. We burn it till it's burned out, turn it till it's turned out. Act up from Northwest East style. Everybody, yeah. everybody, yeah. just get into it. Yeah. Get stupid, get retarded, get retarded. Yeah. Time your guest is still just